This episode is brought to you by Set for Life Insurance. Listen, docs, one of the first steps we took to pay off our student loan debt was realizing we paid way too much for our disability insurance. That all changed when we found Set for Life Insurance. They helped us with a customized insurance policy that met our needs and most of all, budget. To learn more, check out setforlifeinsurance.com. What's good, everyone? I hope everybody who's in the Northeast or even the Midwest is okay. Obviously, there's a huge snowstorm that's affected the central Midwestern states as well as the Northeast. I'm in Pennsylvania. We're getting several inches of snow right now, but I'm going to be driving back home to the real Northeast, you know, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and it's over feet of snow. And by the time this episode comes out, you guys are all going to be hunkered down. So you might as well just listen to the show anyway. (laughs) But I hope everyone is safe. Make sure you reach out to people who are loved or any other loved ones and let them know that you're okay. All right. So listen, before we get into the episode, I want to take a moment to thank another person for leaving a review. Like I said, these reviews are very important to me. They help me to make the show better. And they also work with all the algorithms, all those things that I don't understand, but help the show get put in front of more people. Okay. So it's super important that you guys fill this out. Even if it's not five-star reviews, it's very important that you fill out these reviews because it really helps my show to grow. So this one is from Gen13LO. And it says, inspirational and informative. It says, I've been a faithful follower since the beginning of the podcast and love where it's going. As a fellow physician who has launched my own consulting company in the past six months, Docs Outside the Box has been a huge inspiration with great tips and fun to listen to. So Gen13LO, thank you for leaving me five stars. I really appreciate this. Congratulations on starting your own consulting company. I know when I started it, I was nervous, but I was also... I just like this freeing moment, being able to like create my own money and have my own freedom. It's amazing thing. So I just want to say congratulations, kudos to you. And thank you so much for being a day one. All right. I really appreciate that. So listen, guys, once again, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash D-O-T-B. If you can leave a review, that'd be greatly appreciated. So Gen13LO, make sure you reach out to me at drnee at drneedarko.com or reach out to me on Instagram at drneedarko. And let me know that you left this review and I will send you a link so that we can schedule a 15 minute session together. And I'll send you a t-shirt also to everyone else who has submitted a review. Make sure you contact me. I'll send you a t-shirt also. So now on to this episode. So look, guys, I got two representatives from the University of South Carolina School of Medicine who are coming on to talk about this really interesting project that they have. Okay. It's a very interesting project that's being studied, not just at University of South Carolina, but other institutions in the United States. The name of this project is called COPE, C-O-P-E, and it's short for Chronicling Healthcare Providers Pandemic Experiences. Now, the aim of this study is to document, is to compare the experiences of essential as well as non-essential healthcare workers and how they're dealing with this pandemic. And they're going to be assessing well-being, moral injury, stressors, as well as coping strategies that we are all using. So they're coming on today to talk about their work. They're coming on today to talk about the goal of this project and really to share the benefits of this research with you so that they can encourage more people to participate in it. And it's really a series of surveys that when you fill out, get put into this global database and that obviously some important work is going to come from this. So on this episode, we're going to have Dr. Ann Blair Kennedy, who's one of the lead researchers on this project, as well as Kendall Dean, who is a second-year medical student at the University of South Carolina. 
So look, I want you to share this episode with people who you know will benefit from this. And without further ado, I present Project Cope. Let's get it. What's going on, everyone? This is Dr. Nee. So for the first time ever, actually, we are partnering with a university on a study on how medical professionals in general are handling COPE. Obviously, this is something that we all as a collective group have never experienced ever before in our lives. Um, so I think that it's really good to find out how we are handling this from a stress standpoint, from a mental health standpoint. So this organization or this study from University of South Carolina has contacted me and asked me, is there a way that we can connect with your listeners to chronicle how you guys react to this? So the name of the study is called Project COPE, right? It's from the University of South Carolina. I have Dr. Ann Blair Kennedy, who's leading the project, as well as we have a fourth-year medical student, Kendall Dean, who are here with us to talk to you all about this. So Dr. Kennedy, Kendall, welcome to Docs Outside the Box. What's good? How y'all doing? Thank you so much. It's good to be here. So, Thank you, know, you so much for having us. So obviously, the predominant thing with COVID is, you know, studies that are related to how to treat people, how to take care of very difficult clinical situations, which obviously these are very difficult things that we've all never seen before. But also at the same time, I don't know if anybody really outside of what you all are doing is really documenting the stress that we as medical professionals are going through. So I'm glad to have you all on the show. Let's get into this. Tell us about Project COPE. So Project COPE, as soon as COVID started and started impacting people, Dr. Kennedy came up with the idea with one of her co-workers and was brainstorming, like, what can we do to take a look at this while it's happening? Because it's a really unique perspective that we get to have, that we can investigate how people are dealing with COVID, particularly healthcare providers, just kind of seeing what that looks like while the pandemic is happening. Because a couple of the examples that we had looked at kind of prior to the study were like Hurricane Katrina or how healthcare providers responded after 9-11. And so we get really good retroactive studies on those kinds of things, but we were in the unique position to kind of do an ongoing study about how are people coping with this while COVID's happening. So Yeah, it's kind of just happening as we go, and it doesn't yeah. seem like there's going to be any type of end date, whereas those disasters that you mentioned before mm-hmm. are either one day or a couple of hours, and then Hurricane Katrina obviously was several days and weeks and months afterwards, but this is something that probably will continue into 2021. So Yeah, absolutely. There. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been really exciting just to see one particularly unique thing I think about our study is that we aren't just doing like doctors and nurses and your typical healthcare providers in the hospital, but also those considered non-essential. And so COVID again puts us in the unique position of people not being able to work in their given healthcare fields. And so it's been definitely eye-opening to see how people who are used to dealing with patients and helping them get better and that's part of their calling and vocation. Um, how they deal with not having that available to them at the moment. And as we've kind of gotten deeper into the study, we see a little bit more on the up and up as people are allowed to go back to work and people are pretty excited to be able to help people again. So, so with cool. most studies, there's always like an acronym. I'm guessing that COPE, Project COPE is short for something. So what is COPE short for? That's chronicling. The O it always confuses me, Dr. Kennedy. Will you give me that one? The providers, yes, it's I think. Chronicling yes. healthcare providers experiences. We scientists love our acronyms. We absolutely <laughs> do. And we also have students in this study too, students mm-hmm. in any of the health fields that would be included. So we're hoping to, because studies were interrupted, our students were pulled out of the clinical environment in March. And I watched these students struggle with when am I going to be able to graduate on time? What's going to happen? Why can't I be in there to work with patients now? So we're trying to capture all of that as we go along. 
if someone were to jump onto this and they were smart, start to go through this study with you. So the way how I understand is this is actually like surveys that people are answering. What kind of questions should they expect to see on this? So there's kind of a broad assortment of questions. They'll go through what's your field, like what particular part of healthcare do you work in? Are you a student? Are you a provider? Our questions have changed a little bit recently, but we go through different coping mechanisms that people use and how they feel on a scale of one to 10 as far as dealing with burnout or moral distress. Is there anything you want to add to that, Dr. Kennedy? We have some validated scales in there, too, mm-hmm. looking at burnout, meaning, and work. And we try to break it up because we don't want to make anybody sit down and take a survey for 25 minutes. That no. would not be a good thing. <laughs> we try to yeah. keep everything short, and that's mm-hmm. why we have these weekly surveys to follow people over time, knowing that not everybody's going to answer every single week, and that's okay. Don't stress if you can't make it every week if they decide to join, but trying to watch how things might change over time. Okay. You did mention, so it's weekly. So someone jumps on. One thing also, is this identifiable? Like, do you put your name, any type of identifiable information in this? There's definitely an email that's identifiable and all of that gets taken out when we're analyzing the data. We get a randomized kind of identification code and that's all we have to go on after that. All right. And then whoever is a participant goes through this study or this survey on a weekly basis, answering the same questions or are they different questions? They're mostly the same, but we also have a second weekly survey. So we kind of, you get one survey one week and then you get a second set of questions the second week and then you get the first set of questions again. So they kind of bounce off each other a little bit, but they're relatively looking at the same thing over time. Mm -hmm. Hold up. Before we continue to all my day ones and you know each and every one of you who you are, thank you for rolling with the show from Jump. And to the new listeners, welcome. What's good? Where y'all been? I want y'all to stay a while. All right. So look, I'm trying to build a community here and I need your help. So with whatever app you're listening to this show right now, I want you to click the subscribe button. Then I want you to go over to Apple Podcasts and I want you to rate and review the show. And you may be asking, how does this help? The way how it helps is by helping the show to grow and rise up in the rankings so that it's easier for new people to discover the show. Now, what's in it for you is at least once a week, I'm going to be going through these reviews. I'm going to pick a lucky reviewer and I'm going to give that person an opportunity to have a 15 minute session with me where we could talk about anything from personal finance, getting your money right to just shooting the you know what about the show. So listen, remember, all I need you to do is subscribe and then rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. Let's get on with the episode. Peace. My question is, is why start a study like this? You know, that's what I'm really interested in. I think part of that I answered before, it was just a really unique opportunity to study how people are managing stress. Healthcare providers are managing stress while there is stress instead of after the stress is gone. And so that kind of gives you a unique insight into daily living and how people are feeling about work and how they're feeling about patients. And so I really hope that this will be able to allow us to say, hey, this is what we see from particularly COVID, but potentially having application for any other natural disasters or kind of big, scary events that happen that put strain on the healthcare system in the future. Hopefully that'll give us some insight. Now, we were supposed to connect back in the second quarter of 2020, but didn't make it happen for certain reasons and so forth. But based off of what you've been able to get so far, gather so far, have you been able to make any inferences 
Any deductions at all from the data that you guys have gathered so far? I have a cool PDF that we put together every time we get together as a large group and kind of talk through what our results are, are kind of putting out to us. One of the big sections that we look at is coping practices. So that's stuff like exercising, social interactions, daily routines, feeling that your work is meaningful and stuff like that. And so that kind of has given us, that's part of the survey and you click the check boxes on which coping mechanisms that you're using. And so we get to kind of see what is helping people to stay positive and keep going through that. And so our biggest one right now is social interaction. And that's for providers who are working and providers who are not working both. So that's can you it's be more cool. specific? What do you mean like social interaction? You mean that they should so, be interacting? or Phone calls, video calls, texts with friends and family, just keeping in contact. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got you. I think as someone who's gone through it, who's been sick, and then someone who has taken care of people with COVID, there is a mm-hmm. sense of isolation, right? Because particularly if you're a traveling doctor and you've gone to the different yeah. places that have huge endemic areas or hotspots, you know, the ability to one, hang out with people who you know, and you're in an area that you probably don't know, or be able to keep in contact with people since you're working so many long hours, that's got to be tough. So I'll be interested to see where this goes. So how long is this study going to last? Until there aren't COVID patients, and maybe even a little bit past that, if people still want to talk to us about how they're kind of rebounding once this starts to clear up a little better, then we're definitely open to having more information to look at. So Kendall, specifically for you, because we do have medical students who listen to this show, can you talk about how beneficial or some of the skills that you've gained from being associated with a study? I know a lot of students, they are interested in getting into a study, maybe don't know how to get into a study, think that a study will help them do better getting into a residency. Can you talk to any of that stuff, let people know what this study is doing for you? Absolutely. So my initial reasoning was like, this will make me look good for residency, you know, being all gung-ho and type A and obnoxious like that. And so that was the initial reason. But we get, we all like that too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But then just public health is something that's really fascinating to me. And so being able to kind of get into this and really see how people are being affected by COVID has been really cool. Because I think there are going to be some lasting effects that I'll even have to deal with in the future, health-wise and socially and whatnot. But for research in general for med students, I think it's really valuable just because it gives you not necessarily, but for me, it's given me kind of a link out that's not necessarily you get to biology and, you, get to you know, detach from the matrix a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It kind of gives me a glimpse into the community instead of into this little insular, frantic med school world. So that's been super valuable. And I think it helps me manage my time to have extra things to do. That's always how I've been. Like the busier I am, the better I'm at being productive. So that's been helpful for me. Yeah, that definitely worked for me in college, med school, definitely as a resident. The more busier you are, the less time you have really to kind of let time just kind of fly because (laughs) be lazy or like get in your head and be sad about school. (laughs) Yeah. What are you interested in? What do you think that you would want to do residency in? I came up through running EMS and I spent some time in an emergency department as a tech. And because it's that first layer of being able to deal with people when they're at their most vulnerable. There's something really precious about that to me. And I'm also a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. So that's got to be part of it. But mm, it's, ER it's, maybe or trauma it's exciting. Or yeah, maybe. I think I probably won't do surgery just because just so far, I haven't really felt like that's for me, but probably in the emergency room. I try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, 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 Dr. Kennedy, in this study, are you noticing that maybe 
certain professionals from certain parts of the country are responding differently or dealing with stress differently than other parts? I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know if it is true or not. Well, so we haven't actually looked at that difference by region, but we're actually gathering data internationally. So we have respondents from Australia and New Zealand and Brazil. And, you know, we have some over in Europe as well. And so we're getting them from a lot of different areas, as well as Canada and South America as well. So we're seeing some interesting regions that we're getting individuals from, but we're also seeing where we're not getting people responding from. So we have this whole swath of the U.S. that seems to go like right through the middle. We don't have a lot of individuals from Nebraska, Mm. Oklahoma, right through that center section where we don't have a lot of respondents coming from. We've really more been looking at so far just the difference between those who were considered essential versus non-essential. And what did those things look like? And one of our recent findings we found is that there was a spike in burnout in our burnout measure for those who aren't working, but it was a spike right around the end of July, beginning of August against those people who were working. Now, we haven't gone, done a huge, big analysis to see if this is statistically significantly different or anything like that. But if you look at the policies that were going on, that's right when the unemployment extra money was going away. Oh, yeah. So we're, yeah. we're postulating that it could have something to do with that because it's these people who aren't seeing patients right now that had that real spike in burnout. Mm. Stressing um, out about how they're going to make payroll, keep the lights yeah. on, and mm-hmm. what they're going to do probably for the next several months. Yep. Yeah. Our website also has a blog component that we've recently started up, and I write for that a little bit. But the most recent thing I did was kind of economic impact, which it was very lightly touching on it. Obviously, I can't you know delve into this whole thing, but it was really interesting because it seemed like so far the focus has been on if there has been a focus. But for those who are most financially impacted, we seem a little bit more talking about the non-essential folks. But... I was also noticing that there were physicians considered non-essential as well. And especially, I know you talk about this a lot, but physicians who have their practice, they have multiple people that they have to pay. And it was just definitely a stressful experience having to kind of go through a couple months, not knowing when you get to go back to that, or if you're only allowed to be doing emergency stuff. Especially if people rely on you too. Absolutely. Yeah. So look, this is an opportunity for you all to get at the audience. So tell them exactly where they find out more information about Project COPE. How can they Mm -hmm. sign up? Floor is yours. So our website is info project COPE, all one word, period, Wix site, W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com. And that has pretty much all our information. It's got links to our social media pages. It also has a link to how you can get started with surveys. As soon as you have your email on that, it'll come directly to your email once a week. We have some blog posts, like I mentioned before, on there, and those are not too long. So if you want a quick read just on what we're seeing and what we like to talk about. So look, this is great. This is really important work, audience. I want y'all to listen to this. You know, oftentimes we say that people don't listen to us. Well, here's Mm -hmm. an opportunity to be involved with a study where people will actually listen to how we are handling Mm -hmm. things from a coping standpoint. This is important work. So Dr. Kennedy, Kendall Dean, thank you so much for coming on Docs Outside the Box. I want everybody to jump on this study. It's surveys that you can fill out every other week through email. It's non-identifiable, so you don't have to worry about that. But this is important Mm -hmm. work that we all need to be involved in. Thanks again, guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much. much.